Welcome to the Soul Summit Podcast. I'm your host, Courtney Levesque. I'm here to bridge the gap for women in the outdoors, build a community of adventure junkies, and roll out your weekly dose of positive vibes. With almost two decades in the health and fitness world and an untamable passion for hunting and the outdoors, my mission is to help you live a bucket list life and move boldly in the direction of your dreams. Meet us here weekly as I connect with like-minded men and women to discuss health and mindset, accountability, life and entrepreneurship, as well as all things hunting and epic untold stories. So we are jumping into an episode today, and it's going to be a little bit on the longer side. In fact, it's probably the longest episode we have ever recorded on the show. It's going to be good nonetheless, and I think that you're going to take away a lot of tidbits of information, insight into what's coming for social media, especially for businesses or maybe creators that have a hunting-related page. Uh, I talked to my friend John Gabrio out of Montana. He and I were both recently um, kicked out of our Instagram, and uh, I was also kicked out of my Facebook account, which has been since this recording uh, reconciled. I was able to work with an agency actually um, out of Europe and they went to bat for me and helping me reclaim my account, which they have later said was suspended um, by mistake. Um, So for whatever reason, I was able to get that back. I'm still in at the time of this recording in progress with John really trying to work to help him get his back and really just doing this because I believe That discrimination of any sort uh, is absolutely just wrong. We can't continue to silence each other if it doesn't fit a narrative that uh, each one of us prefers. We all have a voice and should be able to use it in a way that is uh, constructive and fits our lifestyle. So really working to limit this discrimination that I'm seeing in several people's accounts, uh, whether you're a business or a personal brand or just, you know, an average Joe online, um, because I really don't think that this discrimination it should be happening. Uh, John and I also talk about um, kind of his backstory, his work with Apex Advertising. Um, Also, we talk about the Elk Collective, which is going to be a little bit closer to the end of this episode. And we cover hot topics about if is there too many hunters in the outdoors already? And uh, we just kind of dive into that topic and we get to hear his input as well as mine on that topic that I've been seeing floating around social media. We also do talk a little bit about some tips and tactics uh, for people on social media if you have an outdoor-based business to help you stay above the curve and maybe help promote your business a little bit more by capturing people uh, offline. So you are owning your email list, you're owning your marketing, so you're not always reliant on social media just in case anything ever was to go awry. I will leave the recap at that, but I think it is a good episode that you want to tune into. Also, John has extended a discount code for the already incredibly priced uh, Elk Collective. So you can go to the elkcollective.com and use the code Soul Summit to save, I believe, 20 bucks at registration. And this is going to be, um, I'm actually just getting started into it. I think it's going to be a game changer for this elk season. This show hands down could not happen without the amazing support of some incredible companies. Let's take a word from today's sponsors. With the most technically advanced barrel manufacturing techniques, state-of-the-art machinery, and an unwavering commitment to quality, Bagara has become the barrel source of numerous top-tier gun manufacturers in both Europe and the United States. 
Bagara is producing a full line of precision firearms engineered and built to showcase the performance capabilities of their world-class barrels. At their core, Bagara believes that a precision firearm requires not only the best components, but also an assembly process that is carried out by individuals who are the best of the best at their craft. Whether you're a backcountry hunter and want a rifle that doesn't compromise accuracy for weight, a long-range competition shooter, or just looking to get started with your first rifle, Bagara has something for everyone. Head to bagara.online.com to take a look now. That's B-E-R-G-A-R-A dot O-N-L-I-N-E dot com. Sawyer offers family-friendly insect repellent for your skin, clothing, and gear. Protect yourself and your loved ones from disease-carrying ticks and mosquitoes before your next adventure. Whether you're an expecting mother or using around your favorite four-legged friends, Sawyer has an insect repellent option to keep you protected. In fact, a 2017 study found by treating your boots and socks alone with permethrin, you can reduce your chances of a tick bite by 73.6%. Don't wait until it's too late. Head to Sawyer.com to take a look at their entire line of products. That's Sawyer.com. In South Dakota, hunting is our shared legacy, something everyone can be a part of. That's why we're focused on making our fields a welcome place for everyone. See how at huntthegreatestsd.com, where you can hear stories from sportswomen and learn what makes South Dakota the world's pheasant capital. While you're there, check out public land maps, hunting blogs, and season information for one unforgettable fall. Learn more at huntthegreatestsd.com. Well, here we are recording another episode of the Soul Summit podcast. Today, I am joined by my friend in Montana, John Gabriel. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. It's, uh, man, we haven't caught up in a long time. It's been a minute. Yeah. It's been, yeah, it, it definitely has. So give us kind of this, uh, this overview of who you are and uh, what you do. Okay. Uh, my name is John Gabriel. Um, I've been kind of in the hunting industry and outdoor space. I own a business called Apex Advertising. Um, for about 12 years now. And I do a lot of web design, graphic design. Um, I've actually worked with Courtney in the past on a logo and some stuff that she's done. And um, I have do a lot of marketing for a lot of companies in the industry. And that's kind of my, my passion. I love designing and marketing and building websites and just building companies. And it's fun to see everybody grow and you know grow together through this over the years. And it's, it's been a super awesome experience. And I've met a lot of great people doing it. And then I also own another business um, called the Elk Collective. And that is an online elk education resource. And we have about 160 some odd videos on there now. And basically start from zero all the way to the advanced elk hunter, um, teaching them, you know, how to get tags, fitness, um, you know, preparation, their equipment, um, how to use elk calls, tactics when they're in the field, you name it. So that's kind of a separate resource that you know we've made just to help other hunters because I'm passionate about hunting and elk hunting and I wanted to share that knowledge so that's um that's kind of my other business so it's kind of almost a, le- a little red-headed stepchild in a way because you know it's like you're always always working on it kind of that side hustle but yeah. um it's okay like I enjoy it and I love love everything about it so that's um kind of the 10,000 foot view I guess on who I am and what I do 
So did you grow up hunting or in a hunting family? Yeah. So my dad, um, he's been hunting, you know, since he was a kid. And then he started taking me out in the truck and riding around with him. I mean, ever since I was three, four years old. And um, I was actually in the sleeping in the front seat of the truck at like four years old. And um, his buddy, they ended up shooting his deer. And I remember that, you know, just like it was yesterday. And it's like, I woke up to the gunshot going off, you know, and here I am, you know, they said they got this deer and I ran out and seen it. And so ever since it was kind of one of those things, like I just got hooked and, uh, I fished a ton with my dad. Um, he lived on one of the best salmon and steelhead rivers in Washington. So I grew up fishing a ton and, um, every it's the outdoors has just been part of my family ever since I was a kid. So I love it. And I hopefully someday here, um, we have little ones running around. They'll be the same way. So that's kind of the, kind of my goal anyways. So that's awesome. So you and your wife just moved from Utah to Montana. How's that transition been? Uh, it's good. So last year, so it's actually kind of a funny story. I swear there's times she still wants to kill me for it, but, um, two weeks or it was actually like two months before our wedding, um, we had talked about moving to Montana and we were like, Hey, let's, let's make it happen, but let's list the house. And then we'll see if somebody can, you know, just accept our terms of letting us stay there until after the wedding. So we did got an offer like 48 hours, boom, accepted it. And they were good letting us stay 60 days, which was perfect closing time. We could have the wedding and like have a week and get our crap together and, and go. What happened? It turned out like two weeks before the wedding. They were like, hey, do you guys think you could like move out, you know, and please, you know, we're, we're selling our other house and we'll kind of find out these people had a couple houses and they were selling like one of their other houses, not their main house. And so they were just kind of using it as leverage, but it's all right. We, we made it. We moved all of our crap into our friend's basement in Utah two weeks before the wedding, all the whole house at my dad's house up here in Montana and uh, went back and stayed two weeks before the wedding, living out of suitcases, had the wedding and then packed our crap and went to Montana like two days after the wedding. And, uh, then we had to live in my dad's house for like a month till our house was finished, but it, you know, no way, no better way to do it. I guess we didn't care yeah. and we're alive. So, um, but it's been awesome. Like I, we both love Montana. I, I mean, if you love the outdoors and like we do, there's so much to do. I mean, fishing, hunting, hiking, you know, just general outdoor activities where you're not going to do that stuff in the city as much. And I honestly, I think it's kind of brought us closer together um, just being able to go share those activities, you know, it's like at night walk outside and just, Hey, let's go for a walk, you know, and mm-hmm. like we'll walk a mile or two, you know, and just shoot our bows together and stuff that you're not going to do in the city as much, you know, just cause you don't have the opportunity or you have to drive an hour to go, you know, hike or something. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, we love it. It's not for everybody. And I mean, the town we moved to doesn't even have a stoplight. It's got a little blinking light. And so, I mean, it's, it's small town living, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what has that transition been like for you? So coming from Utah, uh, were you hunting primarily in Utah or were you guys kind of diversifying throughout the Midwest or excuse me, the, you know, the, the Pacific Northwest. Um, and what is that like now hunting primarily in a spot with grizzly bears? Yeah. So Utah was kind of tough in a way, um, because you had to draw a lot of the tags. Um, and, and for any, even residents there just to get a deer tag, you had to draw it and it made it kind of difficult to make any hunting plans when you don't know if you're going to even have a tag in your pocket. Um, and then there are general over the counter, you know, stuff that you could buy, you know, in the Northeast corner of the state and some of the other spots, but the hunting just is not good 
compared to going to Idaho over the counter or even Washington or Oregon mm-hmm. or something like that. So that was kind of a struggle. Um, Kylie, we, I've hunted Montana pretty much every single year since about 2007 or eight, I guess. Like I've been lucky enough to draw as a non-resident every year, wow. um, except last year when we moved of course. And so we move here and don't have tags. Um, that, that was kind of depressing, but I ended up getting a tag off the alternate alternates list for elk at least, but Kylie didn't. So she kind of sat out last fall, which was kind of a, Hey, we knew it might happen, but it is what it is, but she's terrified of bears. So she's, she's, you know, like we go out and Hey, do you have your gun? You like, you know, no, I don't have my gun. We're fine today. You know? And she's just, I'm like, we're not even going where any grizzlies are. And she's over here. I look over, you know, and I swear it's like out of one of those action movies, she could have a bear spray here and on her hip and another one in her pack. You know I mean? She's just like loaded. Um, but she actually, I mean, she does pretty good. She just doesn't want to have that encounter and we haven't, I mean, yeah. knock on wood, but, um, you know, it's just something you got to pay attention to. It's part of being out in the woods and in the wild. And, um, if we come across one, you know, hopefully it's not a bad situation with a sow and a cub or two. And, um, not a bad bear, I guess. And, you know, we'll deal with it, but she's not a big fan of, you know, thinking about going and hunting some of these areas. Yes, we've done it. And, you know, she makes it through it, but she's definitely on edge a little bit myself. Maybe I'm not paying attention enough, you know, or scared enough. I I don't know what it is. Um, I hunted Wyoming last year in a really heavy populated grizzly area. And I don't know. I just, to me, I just, maybe I have appreciation for the animals and what they can do, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I, you know, it's not to where I'm like scared of them. It's just more like, Hey, this could be a bad situation. Pay attention to business and, you know, don't do anything dumb that, you know, could piss a bear off or, you know, put it in a bad situation. And, uh, don't be like these people that go to Yellowstone hanging out of their car and, you know, taking pictures and trying to pet these things. You know, it's like, they are wild animals and, you know, they can kill you. So mm-hmm. I think that that's, it's more that level of appreciation, respect for the bears rather than, mm-hmm. you know, just being terrified of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's kind of a, a, something I think about quite often. So I'm living like half the time in Oregon, half the time up here in Alaska, and uh, there's no black bears on Baranoff Island, but there's a lot of brown bears. Okay. And, you know, I'm somebody who really mm-hmm. enjoys the solitude and like solo exploring, whether that's hunting or just backpacking or shed hunting or whatever. I just enjoy taking my dog and going outside and just hiking. And I'm struggling to find that independence here on the island to just, you know, put on a pack and go um, strictly because this is just a new thing for me. I didn't grow up in brown bear territory. So uh, and it was funny because a couple weeks ago, I had a girl that came to my archery camp and she actually grew up on Prince of Wales Island. And she was talking about when she moved from there to Oregon, she was terrified because of mountain lions. So I think it, you know, it's kind of all in the exposure of what you grew up accustomed to being aware of. And, you know, when it's this new thing, you're like, okay, well, this is uncharted territory for me. Should I be scared? What do I, you know, I don't know what I don't know yet. Um, so I think I would, you know, probably relate to her a little bit, but I was also laughing because yesterday I was listening to the podcast that you were on with, um, I think it's called the Huntsman podcast. 
And um, so he was telling a story about coming up on um, what he thought was a bear and how he had this like freak out. And I have done the same situation. So several years ago on a bear hunt, I was packing out a bear in the middle of the night and uh, I got charged by a bear that was up ahead in the trail that I never, I never even knew it was there until the last minute. And um, that scenario really freaked me out to the point where it took me a a while and still now the dark for me is kind of this thing where I'm like, I don't really love putting on the headlamp and going out after dark. But I, it was like the year after that. And I was on an elk hunt and coming back to camp after dark and a tree branch in front of me kind of moved with like my headlamp and the headlamp behind me to where I literally instantly thought that bears like coming at me. And I had one of those moments where my heart just like jumped out of my chest and I was like, okay. So when he was telling that story of kind of freaking out with the bear, I was like, yeah, I've been there too. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, and that's the thing it's, you know, not that you have to be like absolutely terrified, you know, run the other direction. I mean, it startles you, but it's, it's kind of like one of those things it, you never know. And that's the thing. It's almost like you're better to be alert and be Mm -hmm. a little scared. So that way, you know, that, Hey, you're human. And Mm -hmm. this, you know, it's like a defense mechanism in a way, you know? And, um, I think it's, it's better to, to have that, you know, and, and be a little cautious. And so it's like, you never know when it could be a bad scenario. Um, but do you carry a gun or spray or anything? Yeah. Yeah. At home when I'm hunting in Oregon, I always have a sidearm more honestly for people than for anything else. Just Oregon has become so weird and so, um, kind of overrun with with homeless and transients and there's so much drugs and some of the places that I've been hunting for like the last, you know, seven plus years, um, and confidently going in there alone, I'm now finding stolen cars that are dumped. And I'm talking like, you can't even drive into these places. I don't know how they get these rigs and stuff up there or like homeless camps out there. I'm like, that's not a situation as a single female that I really want to be in. So I always carry. And then here, um, when we're in Alaska, typically we, somebody has bear spray. Sure. But have have you had any issues with any of the bears up there? Uh on the island? Yeah. No, mm-mm, we haven't. Um we see them occasionally when hiking. Um saw one yesterday we were fishing and it was walking the bank next to us, which is pretty cool, but no no issues knock on wood yet, so Yeah, keep it that thankfully. way. Thankfully. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Um you mentioned something too though in that in that podcast when you guys were talking about that scenario and you said that you never really know how you're going to react in a situation until that situation happens. And I think about a story, um, and I won't name names, but a very confident, very skilled, um, well-weathered outdoors uh, woman here that I know um, was in a situation where she was hunting. They were elk hunting, I believe, and and her and her brother were there. They kind of got separated and they were just kind of doing their own thing, but aware of where the other person was. And um, she looked over and there was a, a cougar walking down like a, a deadfall tree, like right towards her, just walking, watching her. I mean, I can't remember what she said, 15 yards or something. She had a sidearm and she froze. She said it was like she couldn't even, she didn't even have control over her body. She never reached for her gun. She said she was so scared and so like in shock that all she could do was scream bloody murder. And thankfully her brother heard her and came over. Um, But yeah, it just goes to show you that doesn't matter how much experience you feel like you have in the outdoors. There are situations that can be so 
like shocking to your nervous system that your body doesn't respond in a way that you feel like you might be trained for. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's kind of one of those things people need a lot of training, you know, in certain scenarios. And it's like, in, in Kylie, you know, for example, it's like she carries all this bear spray and, you know, I give her a bad time about it. But I ask her, I'm like, hey, what are you going to do in this situation? You know, I'm like, if we have a bear coming, are you going to be able to pull that thing out and use it? You know, or are you going to be able to hit the bear? And so mm-hmm. I think, you know, they make those ones with the water and, you know, whatnot that you can practice with and spray. And so I kind of give her a bad time, but I think we're going to get some, you know, and just like try to yeah. practice some scenarios um, just for a real life situation, because it's like, you don't know how you're going to react. And you think you do. You're like, oh, I'm tough. I got this. But it's it's different. I mean, when it's mm-hmm. life or death and something's coming at you that could kill you, it's, I mean, you better pay attention to business and, you know, have your, everything, your head on your shoulders better be ready to react. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's, that's the thing. So I almost, I feel like people need to have these training scenarios and I'm not sure how, if anyone's doing it or how to get in some sort of situation like that, you know, where, mm-hmm. I mean, not that we want to be, but how, how could you prepare for that? You know? And I, I don't know. I feel like people need it though. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, there's more people that would lock up probably than you think, you know, your buddy, your hunting buddy. I mean, who knows? Yeah. So, yeah. I think it was at total archery challenge. If I'm not mistaken, uh, in big sky that they actually had, I can't remember if it was a uh, fish and game that was there, but they were doing like this little mini bear clinic where they had this, this, um, bear decoy and it was set up on this like roller basically. And you stood there with this, um, fake spray and you tried to get it out of your holster and spray before that bear at the speed a bear could charge you was basically on you. And that was really eye opening too, you know, because sometimes, and I think, I don't know, maybe this is just humans in general, but I feel like as a hunter, I'm constantly running through scenarios in my head of how something could go down, you know, how a deer could come in, how an elk can come in. Um, but I'm also doing the same thing in those situations with, with animals. And you never, I never really think like it will happen so fast that I can't react in my scenarios. It's always, I have time to react and, and, you know, protect myself, but that's not always the case clearly because, you know, we see stuff and hear news stories all the time of people not coming back from shed hunt, you know, trips. So. Yeah. That guy got killed here in Montana, just South of us earlier this spring from a grizz, you know, and it's mm-hmm. like, what happened? Like, we're never going to know, you know, but it's like, did, you know, did he just stumble on the bear? Did the bear, you know, it's like come yeah. charging out of nowhere, you know, from a mile off and he watched it and didn't think it was going to be a big deal. Like, who knows, you know, and like, that's, that's the thing. I think that every scenario is different and, you know, it's preparing for the worst of the worst, you know, but I, they're scary. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, it's like, if you had one coming at you, you better figure out, you know, real yeah. quick what, what you're doing. The one that it's crazy to me is Ron Nizalek there out of Wyoming um, that I was with when we kind of had those cows there that, and I was talking about, um, it was listening to him. He literally just talks about these grizz. Like it's no big deal. I mean, he, he appreciates them. He respects, you know, the hell out of them. And he's very cautious about, you know, what he's doing and conscious when he's there. But when a bear is like coming at him, he's got like ice in his veins and he's just like, okay, spray it. You know, he sprayed a few of them and he just is like, 
it's another day in the park. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of weird to talk to someone and be around someone like that, that it, they're just so cool, calm and collected with the whole situation and scenario that's going on that it's like, well, I know I'm not going to get attacked and it, oh, it's just another thing to deal with. You know, let's keep hunting, you know? And mm-hmm. it, it's so weird to just see somebody like that. And I don't know. I wish all of us were that way. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? Or mm-hmm. Everyone, I, you just feel more comfortable going out in the woods. It's like if the other half is with you and you know that they're going to react like Ron does, you, you know, it takes that, yeah. Yeah. that sense of uncomfortability away, I guess. I was, uh, on a, on a hunt one time with a friend and we were in a situation that was new to both of us and it was a little sketchy. We were in bear country. You know, she asked me like, how are you not scared right now? Like, how are you okay with with this situation? And, you know, honestly, I just simply said to her, like, you end up being whatever you're focused on. So if I focus on fear and being uncomfortable and how the situation can go wrong, that's when you can get in your head and and that's when things can get dangerous for you because you stop making educated decisions and you start working based out of this place of fear. And I simply just said, like, you, you just can't, you can't play into that. It's just like, nope, I don't have time for this. This is not the right situation to think about what could go wrong. Instead, I'm going to think about other things, you know, or the success of the hunt or my kids or, you know, so I think sometimes if you can just fear is a very healthy thing and it keeps us safe a lot of times, but in those situations, sometimes, you know, when there's nothing you can do out of it, you're not, you're not getting out of that situation. You just simply can't play into the fear piece. Yep. hundred percent, hundred percent. And bears too react very different, you know, situationally, depending on like here, here on the Island, you know, there's not a ton of issues because they have a lot of food, um, and they're hunted, you know, so they have that, you know, fear of us as well. Um, in a place like, you know, Montana, Wyoming, that's not necessarily the case. So those bears can act differently. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and that, that's so true. I mean, if, if you could sling some lead or arrows back at some of these bears, they would wise up and be like, oh man, I can be killed. Like, you know, and get a little scared you know i mean Mm -hmm. it's just like mother nature and you know they realize something can kill them they're gonna wise up a little bit you know Mm -hmm. and they're like maybe i don't want to go after that and so um that that is the truth you know i mean luck you know for you luckily you know it's like they're getting shot at a little bit so they're a little more aware of what's going Mm -hmm. on but i mean even the same thing in bc you know they took grizz hunting away what was it four or five years ago and uh they can't hunt them up there anymore well, the problem is, and I've heard some stories, you know, recently here that these bears, I mean, they know that, you know, it's like, oh, hey, you know, we're getting shot at now. Mm-hmm. That's not a threat anymore. We can kill them. Let's go, you know. And so the threat is back, you know, rather than they kind of had had it under control in a way. I mean, you know, grays and brown bears are what they are, but it's like they were a lot more aware of, I guess, their surroundings too, you know? Mm -hmm. So I just wish we could do that and hunt them. And I mean, I'm sure at some point here, you know, there's going to be enough people that get attacked, especially in the park or around the park. And, uh, I think it will become a thing that they'll probably open something or some form of it. It'll probably be a special draw or who knows, you know, in the beginning. Um, I don't know. It needs to happen. I just, I don't know how we get Mm -hmm. there. 
my fingers are crossed that that does happen because everything needs to be managed. And it's, it just blows my mind that people don't understand, you know, that hunting is so imperative to the regulation of certain populations and to, you know, not even necessarily for numbers strictly, but also for that fear and creating like this, you know, healthy fear of an animal to us and us to the animal. So, but you know, not a lot of the, these, uh, projects get changed and these hunts, um, get, you know, nixed off the table out of science or anything smart. It's usually just based out of, you know, and bears, they just elicit this emotional response in people that, and I've, I've never seen anything. It's it's wolves and bears to me that I see the most people lose their minds over. I, I think what it is, it's like, as a kid, a lot of kids grow up with like a teddy bear. Mm. And you know, it's like that stuffed animal thing, maybe in a way to where, Hey, like I had this stuffed animal, little bear that my mom or dad got me when I was a kid. And I played with that thing forever. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's that, you know what I mean? It's like, and they're thinking of this Winnie being, the Pooh. Yeah. Winnie <laughs> the Pooh, yeah. A little like soft teddy bear. And so, you know, then they think that all bears are just these soft, little creatures out in the woods and it's like how dare could you know how dare you how could you shoot yeah. one and i don't know it's like washington this year you know they took away spring bear hunting mm-hmm. and the the whole thing they had one of the the i forgot whatever she's in, in the seat there in the fish and wildlife voting on this thing mm-hmm. she got up and spoke and said that this is not about science this is about what's politically correct in today's environment and it's like how are you going to say that this is not about science anymore? Like this is, I mean, these animals are literally getting killed and we have proof that last year they collared 125 calf elk in the blue mountains in Washington. Nine of them survived nine. So let's think about that for a second. It's like when, and they tracked them down and most of them, all of them were killed by predators, bears or cats. Mm -hmm. Okay, that in itself right there, it's like done. I mean, proof is in the pudding and she's saying that it's not about science. I'm like, in five years, there's going to be no elk herd left. Right. I mean, I don't know. It's like, how do you break that down? Like, how do you Mm -hmm. really get this out there and, and let people understand that like hunting is a big deal. Hunting, you know, it's like we are conservationists. You know, it's like we're helping the ecosystem. We're helping these animals survive and the herds stay healthy. You got to keep things in check. And it's mm-hmm. like, if they don't, I mean, we're going to be in a mess here pretty quick and there won't be anything mm-hmm. to hunt, let alone that. There's going to be a lot more people probably getting attacked because the predator situation is going to get out of control. Yep. So they need Absolutely. to eat. So I don't know. We're, we're fighting an uphill battle with this, I think, in, you know, some aspects. And it's, we got to figure out a way to overcome this really quick. That's all I got to say. that could be true for so many scenarios right now, because I feel like a lot of what's going on in this world is based off of what's politically correct and not based off of what makes sense, you know? So, oh, which leads me to my next conversation talking about, so you and I were both recently, um, deleted, canceled, whatever you want to call it off of Instagram. I was also canceled, um, deleted from Facebook. And, uh, you know, you and I have been in contact about that for the last week or so, just kind of talking about what that, why in the hell that happened. And, you know, 
all the mix of emotions that go into that, you know, especially when you have framed your business, you know, with your social media as well. And um, yeah, so tell us a little bit about kind of how that happened for you and and what that process has been like. Yeah, so that it was honestly, I mean, kind of a big eye opener and kind of a shocker in a way. Um, for me, uh, I just ate dinner and we cleaned up, grabbed my phone and just was going to open it and just scroll, you know, on Instagram and just, you know, go see what everyone had been doing for the day. Cause I'd been working and hadn't really been on it. And, uh, it popped up and it just said, your account's been deactivated. And it said, if you think this is a mistake, click this button to appeal it. At first I thought, Oh, I'm getting hacked and being a web guy and everything and seeing a lot of these phishing type scams out there. I was like, okay, hold on ran out, got on my computer, and I was going to change my password really fast just to try and get back into that account. Mm -hmm. And when I did, I pulled up on my computer and the same thing popped up. And I knew I was logged into Instagram because I was looking at my web browser. And uh, it just said, same thing, your account's been deactivated. If you think this is a mistake, appeal it. So I clicked that button, like, what the heck is going on? And then I did that and then it logged me out and I tried to log in and it was like, your username is not found in your email is banned. Like your base guy's done. I couldn't reset my password. I couldn't do anything. Um, and I was like, holy cow, I just got deleted off Instagram and I have no clue why. So I've had that account for about 10 years and never had one morning, never nothing. And, um, that was what I was kind of like, why am I deleted? I've never done anything. Mm -hmm. And I always tried to stay out of the whole political scene and the vaccine and like everything I tried to like, stay out of that because I just didn't want to post something knowing that I was running my business and people were following yeah. me for my business and my hunting stuff. And so I always try to just keep my, those opinions, you know, off social. Well, anyways, so that's why I was kind of honestly super blown away that I got deleted just for the fact that I, it's not like I stepped over and was like constantly posting stuff and, you know, asking to get banned, I guess. Um, so in the midst of that, now I've had a handful of people reach out, actually had a guy last night that I've known for 10, 12 years, I guess, since I started my business. And, um, he has posted a lot about Biden and this administration and all the vaccine and all this stuff about blah, blah, blah. Apparently his account, they've like taken away everything. Like he's still there, but he can't tag anything. He can't like add links. He can't even add certain emojis. He can't do anything. Like they've literally like taken away his rights on his account. And so all he can really do, like he can't even like post a story anymore. Like he can't do anything. Like he can just post a picture and like a few people's stuff. But the crazy thing is, is his followers too are like magically every day, like disappearing. It's like people are, you know, they're unfollowing it for him and like just running his account down. And he's like, at this point, he had like, close to 11,000 people. And he said he's down to like 9,000 in like a couple of weeks. And it's like, they're just like every day he wakes up and opens it just to see a bunch more people gone. And he's like, when's it going to stop? And so he's like, at this point, it's kind of comical, but um, yeah. So in the midst of me getting deleted, I reached out, had a friend that owns a big agency ad agency in Salt Lake, figured that he knew some people on the inside over there at Facebook and Meta. And I was like, Hey, you know, this is my next form of contact. Let me see if I can get in touch with somebody over there. Mm -hmm. And when I reached out and then he tells me, Hey, I had, this is weird, but I've had a handful of other hunters reach out 
this past week or two that have also been deleted. I'm like, really? Like this, okay, now this is seeming a little suspicious. Mm-hmm. He reached out and to a contact over there. And basically they were, you know, kind of like, oh yeah, you know, review here, go to this link. You can follow this and review your stuff and blah, blah, blah. Then it's like all of a sudden, oh, we're short staffed due to COVID and yeah, we can't review his account. And I'm like, but you just said that you could review, but you're not going to review because now you're magically short staffed yet. You're replying to my contact. You know what I mean? And so it just got really fishy at that point. Then I find out from Zach Kenner that you got deleted and he seen my new account and followed me. And then obviously this led down the path of you. And, you know, then we started talking about it and trying to figure it out. But the crazy thing is in this last week, I've literally had a handful of people that have reached out saying that they or a friend that they know have been deleted in the Mm -hmm. last couple of weeks. And one of the guys, he has a page, um, busy wild. I don't know if you've seen his page Mm -hmm. or not. Yeah. So he's got like 60 some 70 some thousand people on his page and not always posting like hunting stuff. I mean, all sorts of stuff, you know, definitely some outdoorsy hunting, but he had his own personal page, which was primarily hunting. I think his name's Martin. Um, but anyways, he told me, he messaged me and was like, dude, they deleted my personal page a couple weeks ago. No warning, no nothing ever. Just poof gone. I'm like, okay, there's another one. And so it's just becoming a little more suspicious to me, you know, the more that we learn about this and learn more and more, and then finding out that these other pages are losing followers. Um, I look at like Phelps, for example, almost a hundred thousand people on their page, Jason, I mean, and Dirk running that page, they used to get, you know, back in the day, you'd post a picture, you know, three, four, five, six thousand likes on a picture and videos and views and everything they post anything now and it's like 200 likes max. And it's like, they have almost a hundred thousand people. They post a yeah. video, maybe a thousand views, you know? And it's just like, when you start looking at that, it's, if you tell me there's not something going on internally, something is up, you mm-hmm. know? And it's like, mm-hmm. I know I was talking to Lampers about it the other day and he even mentioned the same thing. He's like, I don't post often. He's like, because the more you, I feel he's, this is his theory, but he's like, I feel like the more that you post, they're learning it and, you know, slowly taking away and banning your page. And so he's like, I try to post, you know, good content every so often. So that way it kind of keeps the logarithm, like thinking about what's going on rather Mm -hmm. than, you know, Hey, we're building, we know what this guy's going to do. Let's cut him. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, but that's where he's at now. And so I believe it. I think there is something to that because even on my page over the last mm-hmm. six, seven months, I was not posting as heavy as I used to trying to keep it in this. I kind of had the same thought as him of keeping it guessing. I would definitely get a lot more engagement than like Phelps when they're posting something like every day. And so I think there's truth to it. I'm not sure what the answer is. I do know I started this new page. This That was kind of the next... Let's see what happens, you know, and we'll talk about before I even decided to start it. But once I started that, I made a whole new email address under my business. I had my other email address was a personal one I've had for 20 years. And I started a new one was like, hey, it's not tied to me, not tied to anything. I'm going to go and start, you know, a new page. I enter my name, enter the email, my date of birth, sign up. 
they blocked my new account the minute I signed up. And it popped up and said, your account's been deactivated. And I'm like, I just made this. I'm a new person. You don't even know who I am. Mm-hmm. But I'm assuming that my name is in their system flagged mm-hmm. and it automatically blocked me. Button popped up, said, click here to appeal it. If you feel that, you know, we've made a mistake. So I did. And about 10 minutes later, I received this email from Facebook and it was like, sorry, we've made a mistake. Your account's been activated. We apologize for blocking it or deactivating it and blah, 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 blah. So I go and make this new account. So then I only had a few hundred followers. The first post I made was of Kylie and I in our wedding last year, hoping that if anyone new came to the page or people that knew me would think it wasn't a hacker because they're like, how is this guy, how is someone going to get his wedding photos? So that was kind of my like way to lead into the new page instead of just posting hunting pictures, which Mm -hmm. someone would probably do if they try to make a fake account. But I even had Lamper's cousin. He didn't want to click on my new page because he thought it was a bot. Right. And then he realized, wait, this is John. He posted wedding photos. Like he assumed it was me and he went through with it anyways. But I've had several others say the same thing. Mm-hmm. So in the midst of getting deleted in that week, man, I had a serious battle. Like the first night I was pissed, second day I was pissed, you know, and then I realized kind of what was going on and then realized that, hey, like maybe hunting is, you know, the end as we know is here as we know it, you know, on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And um, I was kind of mentally battling with myself of, do I even want to do this? Do I want to go back at this? Do I want to start over? 10 years of stuff gone. Like, I don't even know if I want to go down that road. And then I thought, well, for hunting hunters, if I'm in this scenario, there's others, we need to get back out there because this is what they want. They want us just to be like, screw it and give up, Mm -hmm. call it a day. So after I threw that idea around for a few days and I'll admit it was kind of nice not jumping on there. And it was weird. Cause you're, you're used to jumping on and scrolling, you know, it's like you're, I'm waiting for files to upload or this or that, or yeah. waiting for someone to email or call me back and you jump on and scroll and like some pictures. And I, man, I had a couple of days. I was like, what do I do with my life? You know, like, <laughs> this, this is kind of awkward, you know, like I'm not scrolling anymore. But once I got over that and hit like Thursday, Friday, I was like, man, this is kind of nice. Not jumping on social and, you know, I'm just doing my own thing. And, and I'll, I'll be honest. My work productivity, like anybody that knows me, I work a ton. I mean, it's like 10, 12, 14 hours a day, like every day, this time of year, because when hunt season comes, I want to go hunt. But it's like, you don't realize 10 minutes here, five minutes there, you know, throughout the day. And it's like, man, I felt like I was actually getting more stuff done work-wise than what I was. And now I look at like these, I started thinking about these big companies and school and kids with their phones. And I'm like, man, the work productivity would be so much better if social wasn't there granted there is plus and minuses to you know to it but then i did have a client reach out and was like hey i'm trying to get in touch with you i need a logo done and i couldn't message you where were you at and that's when i was like dang it i'm losing money Mm -hmm. so i toyed around for another day and then i was like okay i'm just gonna make one you know i'm gonna go back after it we'll we'll do it we'll see and then if it gets if this next one gets deleted i'll be honest i'll probably just throw in the towel and be like screw it like find me elsewhere, you know, or like figure something else out. But, um, I, I, man, I had a few days of some serious mental battles and mm-hmm. trying to figure out what to do. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I've kind of, but we talk about that, a logarithm. My first post is the wedding. The second one 
I made a post, a reel with this big bull that I had seen last year in Wyoming. And it's just walking along bugling. It was the day before season. I threw that up and I was like, I'm just going to see what happens and throw a reel up because I didn't do a lot of them on my other account. Brand new account, a couple hundred followers. That thing's at like 35,000 views already. And I'm like, I never, ever, like I'd post something and I get like 2,000. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, you talk about hunters getting banned because at that point I hadn't posted any hunting pictures. There's a wedding picture in this reel of a live elk. Mm-hmm. And so it's like when you start putting these pieces together and then Phelps happened to text me and Dirk and he was like, man, I don't understand what's going on. He's like, Instagram's definitely screwing with the algorithm. You know, he's like, all these new accounts can get views. And he didn't even know about mine at the, at the time. And he was like talking about some other people he'd seen. And then I'm like, yeah, I'm at like 34,000 views on this video. And I only have a few hundred followers. And like my account's two days old. Like, how is that? Well, the AI is probably trying to learn me. And it's like, hey, we're just going to put this thing out there to everybody and see what, you know, what happens. So it's like, if you really start looking big picture here, they are definitely shadowing hunting accounts as much as we don't want to admit it, as much as you think that they're not, I'm sorry. Like there's a lot of accounts out there that are getting mm-hmm. shadowed. Um, a lot of the big ones too. It's like loophole, you know, for example, and this is another one that's weird. They magically got locked out of their Facebook page last week. Like how do these, all these companies and Phelps did too, at his personal page, he got locked out of Facebook and it's like, so how do these people start magically start getting locked out, deleted. If you yeah. tell me that something isn't going on, I don't know. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. I, I'm going to be really honest with you. I think this is just the beginning of the end for hunting on social media platforms. Um, very similar situation happened when I, you know, I think it was even after, no, it was midday. It was midday and I went to open up my Instagram app and it, same thing you have, yeah, just gone, just poof, gone, no warning. The only warning I had ever had oddly was a post that I made two years ago, like six months ago, um, said I got a a violation for, um, community guidelines and the entire, it was a picture of a fire And I was talking, the caption was me explaining that I had prayed over breakfast with my kids. There wasn't a subject that we prayed about, nothing. And, you know, so that I thought was very odd that 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 happened. And then no other warnings or issues or anything. Yes, I've seen, you know, my content engagement has gone way down and that kind of thing, but I had never been in violation of anything else. And so that happened and I, and I thought, well, this ha- maybe it's a glitch or, you know, I don't know, because I was so blindsided by it. And so, you know, I text my husband, and I said, can you see my Facebook or my Instagram account? And he's like, no, he's like, I can see your picture, but it says no user. And then um, my sister said the same thing. And I'm like, well, what the heck's going on? And so I appealed it, um, you know, wrote, my appeal in there, never heard anything back. Um, can't access anything. It's like, I'm just erased the next day, my Facebook page, when I went to get in there, because I have, you know, business contacts and all these things gone, uh, appealed it, nothing, never heard anything back from anybody. So, you know, I, I don't know that the roller coaster of my emotions is that important, but 
I will say that there was, you know, a time when I was like, do I even want to restart this? You know, this is years and years of it. And it is not about the numbers of followers. It is like you and I talked before we were on air. It's not a popularity contest to me. To me, it was absolutely about building community and nurturing other people's love for the outdoors. And I feel like that's what my page was built to convey. And the fact that they're trying to silence me for trying to share and promote other people to get out and live this kind of bucket list life to me just flat out pissed me off because, you know, and then there's this other part of you where you try to take some positive away from it and and think, well, maybe I was doing some good if they're trying to shut me down. You know, I don't know. There's just kind of this mixed bag of emotions, but two, you know, to your point, like when a client's like, Hey, I'm trying to get a hold of you and I can't, you know, I'm in the middle of, of my event season, which is where I'm doing, you know, camp for a hundred women this year. Sure. And, you know, not only was I in the middle of sharing that, but I was in the middle of, you know, continuing to host these events for the year. And now all of that is gone. So the people that were reaching out to me like, Hey, you know, this gear, you know, question or that gear question for camp, you know, now they're going to try to find this other roundabout way of getting a hold of me, um, which can be done. Right. But to have something like this taken away, that is a platform for everyone air quotes, right. Um, including those that are promoting pornography and, you know, sex, you know, all this, all this stuff, but because we're hunters now, that's not okay. We can't be there. We don't, we don't get a a spot at the table. Like that's just complete bullshit to me. And you know, like you and I talked about again, I went through and read every word of the terms and conditions for Instagram. I looked at every word of the guidelines um, for what can and cannot be posted. And there was nothing even where I was like, oh, well, maybe it was that one post. There's not one thing that I can identify as the triggering point. Um, which then like, how do you know what to do better or what not to post in the future? We'll get back to the show in just a minute, but I wanted to talk to you about my backcountry e-bike through Baku. It is absolutely a game changer. Helps me go farther and enjoy the hunt longer. I think this is really a pivotal tool if you are in an area with lots of road access or areas that you can um, navigate trail systems to get in farther. Uh, The e-bike has really allowed us to get into places that would have taken us a lot more effort to get into. Head over and find more information at bakcou.com. You can also use the code HEROUTDOORJOURNEY to save a few hundred dollars on your new electric bike. This will be an absolute upgrade to your hunting game. Now, back to John. Right. See, and that, that's the thing. It's like, what, do, what are we going to do that's going to trigger the next thing? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And, and that's where I'm struggling even with how to, how to proceed forward, you know, mm-hmm. with my page. Part of me... I'm like, I'm just going to post every single day and just post all my past kill photos, every single animal that I've ever killed and get them all back on my page and go for it and be like, Hey, you want to shut me down here? Now you made it worse because before I had pictures of, you know, Kylie and I doing stuff, my family, you know, and camping and, you know, nature stuff. Now you're going to get a page just full of dead animals and guns and bows and like everything. Like, is that what you guys want? You know? Mm -hmm. And so like, part of me, I'm like, battling in my head of I'm going to go down that path. And then the other part of me is like, well, that's going to trigger that for sure. You know, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. I'm going to get deleted. So I don't know. I've been battling, but you talk about, you made the comment about this video being a few years old. 
um, you know, where you hear that warning that you got about praying in the fire. When I was talking to Lampers the other day about it, he, he, or a couple, two nights ago, whatever that was, and we were talking, he told me that he recently just had a video flagged and removed from 2018 by them. 2018, four years ago. And they were like, oh, you violated our terms and conditions. He's like, that is somebody's digging. He's like, that's yeah. four years old. He's like, how are you, are you guys out digging for content on my page from four years ago and removed it? And so I'm like, dude, are you, you know, is he going to be one of the next ones, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it, it, as I start piecing all this stuff together and thinking about it, I'm like, man, we're, we're really getting attacked here, you know? And I, I don't know it or silenced or, you know, cancel culture, like whatever you want to call it, you know, it's like, we're the victims here. And there's so much other stuff out there that is far worse than stuff that we're doing and promoting. And heck half the stuff that three quarters of the stuff that we're all sharing is positive, uplifting stuff in life and, you know, making mm -hmm. advancements and helping people, you know, and it's like, I don't know, you know, mm -hmm. at what point, at what point here do we, who do we need to get involved, you know, mm -hmm. to help start something else, you know, or help shift this, you know, I, I'm, I'm not sure, but, um, yeah, that's kind of weird though. When you just made that comics, I started thinking about what Ryan said the other day, you know, four mm -hmm. years ago in the video. So, well, and it's not most of the time there are not people sitting behind a computer screen at Instagram or Facebook going through to check these things out. It's a computer generated process that is just constantly scanning to see, is there a keyword? Is there a picture of a gun? Is there, you know, a banned hashtag? Because now in all of my research, I found that there's like 2,800 banned hashtags that if you use puts you on this wash list and it's things like, and I don't know why this one stuck out to me, but hashtag babes banned. You know, like, so there are some just really gentle hump day, hashtag hump day banned. Like, so if those things are banned, I'm sure that people who are using hashtags are just, you know, incoherently like putting stuff out on their page that is putting them on this list to be X'd at some point. Right. Um, and it's so bizarre that you, you mentioned that about talking to this agency and how, you know, all of a sudden they're too busy to get back to you. Well, I was talking to a friend about the situation. And, uh, he had a kind of a similar situation. He wasn't banned, but he knows one of the higher ups at Facebook and, um, you know, good buddies. Well, all of a sudden this buddy is gone. MIA won't return a message or an email or, or something. So there's like some hush gag going on with this whole thing because, it, it's just too, there's just too much weirdness going on with it. Um, but there's a lot of truth to those algorithms too. talking about the frequency of posts. Um, and Instagram is, is going to reward you since you now technically have a new account. They're going to say, Hey, we want this guy to become an Instagram addict. So let's give him all of these endorphins by having all these views and likes on this new account so that he keeps coming back for more. And it's just, it's like being toyed with. And there's so many things that I truly appreciate and love about social media um, because of the community and friendships and all of those things. But man, we are playing with fire on a continual basis by using these platforms. 100%. I mean, they know so much about our lives that I think most people would, I think people know that they know a lot about us, but I don't think people know to the depth that of the information that they truly know about our lives. Mm -hmm. And it's like, 
my job doing what I do and seeing a lot of this behind the scenes marketing and, you know, web, you know, development and stuff that goes on in the tools that are out there to track people and track information of sales and what this person likes and all this stuff. And I mean, it's real. And I don't think the mass majority of the public truly understands when they're using their social, all the data that's being gathered. And so that's where I'm scared and I'm scared for, you know, what they already know, but where it's taking us and you hit the nail on the head. It's like, you are playing with fire every time you use that thing. Mm -hmm. And how many times have you been on there or let's back up. How many times have you talked to your other half mentioned, Hey, I want Quaker oats, oatmeal. You know, we need to get that at the store. All of a sudden you have an ad on your feed for oatmeal. And it's like, okay, if you tell me your phone's not listening, cause you didn't even have that thing out. Mm-hmm. Tell me that. And something is fishy. And it's like, they know everything about our lives. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's the sad truth, the sad reality. And you the know, phone's next to your bed at night and you're having sex, your phone's listening to you, you know, like it's, it's, it, it doesn't pick and choose when it's appropriate or not. It's always there listening. Yeah. Because I'll probably have a Quaker Oats ad later on today because of just talking about this right now. Yep. hundred percent. It'll happen. And that's, yeah. that's what's sad. Um, and those people, I don't know. You, you remember a few years ago, it was like Facebook, you know, was kind of getting sued or whatever for, you know, a bunch of information and this and that. And the government was like, we need to police this and mm-hmm. yada, yada. I almost feel like the government's on the inside of this whole thing. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but how could like, you not? Yeah. I mean, I feel like they're like, Hey, keep giving us this data. We're going to act like we're making a big deal about this, but we'll take it, you know, thanks. And so there's way more that's going on here. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I mean that, that, and so this is part of the reason too. It's like we moved to Montana, um, just, you know, with schooling and everything else that's going on and like us knowing we want to have a family. And I was like, man, with everything that's going on out there, I want our kids to grow up, you know, riding their bikes and, you know, getting dirty and muddy and learn how to shoot a gun in the yard and, you know, just like enjoying the good old days and not really get focused or hooked being in the city on the social media thing right off the bat. I want them to go find the local rancher and, you know, <laughs> go play out in their hay field, you know, yeah. and just learn how to do things at a young age. And, um, I don't know, it's scary. It's like when mm-hmm. you start thinking about everything and, I kind of grew up in that time, you know, when Facebook first started, you know, I was what, probably in middle school uh, or no, I was in high school, late high school, I guess when it started. Cause I had to have a college, you had to have a college email to get mm-hmm. on Facebook in the beginning. And I had that, I just got that. So I guess I was a great getting ready to go in. Um, but it's weird. Like I've been there for a long time and I've seen this whole thing for like the whole growth of it, let alone that have my marketing company and started kind of when all this whole thing was going. So I've been around a lot of this and it's wild. I mean, that's mm-hmm. all I can say. And then to see where it's morphing and turning now against people and against us. And I'm not sure what the answer is. I'm not mm-hmm. sure how we get out of it. You know, I, I don't think there is ever any escaping it now. No, I don't think so because there are so many people who were not willing to accept the fact that there's more to this. And I believe social media definitely has an agenda. If you think back to the last couple of years, how everything started being fact-checked and 
things that were true were, you know, removed because it says it was facts checked and it wasn't, you know, accurate. Um, or things that were fact checked that we know aren't true. Like it's just there's so much, there's a narrative that whoever the 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 higher ups want us to all be brainwashed into believing, thinking, and seeing. And if it doesn't fit that, it's on the table to just be removed. And I truly believe, and this is just my speculation, but if if we can remove hunters who, if you're an archery hunter or not, you probably have at least one gun in your home. And if we can remove hunters and not give them this voice, if there's no need for hunting, there's no need for guns, quote unquote, right? So if we can be on the list to be erased, then they're going to have an easier conversation. So they think when it comes to taking gun rights away. Right. I mean, yeah, I mean, that that could be such an easy agenda. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, wipe that out. Now we have no voice. We can't talk about it. And then, you know, poof, gone. So, um, but it, it, there's going to be a lot of pissed people in the background when that thing, if that ever came to fruition. But um, when you, it's it's funny, though, when you start thinking about silencing and taking our guns away and hunters and this and that, when's the last time? anyone that you know is a true hunter and love loves the outdoors loves guns you know and heck most of us probably have more than one you know a handful and you know this and that when's the last time anyone that you know went and shot something up right i don't know and that's what i don't understand you know talking about you know increased regulations for guns it is not if we're taking guns away from everybody guess who's not not going to have a gun criminals, people that are committing crimes and, you know, going to shoot places up and yes, guns need to be controlled. Ammunition needs to have some barrier, right? Some, but if you look at this, if we start having to give these guns back, which over my dead body will never happen, who still has them? And do we not, I mean, it just blows my mind to think that people think that will make things better by not having guns because it's the people who shouldn't have guns that aren't going to give them back. Yeah, they don't care. And they're going to figure out a way of even if they get them taken, they're going to still figure out a way to get them. And that's that's our problem is we're fighting that battle. And those are the ones we need to stop. They don't even care. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, they're already not following the law on probably more than gun stuff. I mean, there's probably a whole list of stuff and those they're the people that just don't follow the laws it is. And there they go, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. I have several buddies who are, you know, cops in different areas and sheriffs and, you know, whatever they're involved in law enforcement and stuff. And, um, they, they all say the same thing. They're like, you know, that we're still going to be fighting the same core people that we're fighting mm-hmm. already that, don't listen to us. They don't obey anything. We're, you know, going down this rabbit hole and they're already dealing with it. So mm-hmm. that's where I'm, I'm struggling. I think we all are. There's a lot of us in this community that are on the same page, um, you know, and we realize that the problem is not us and it has nothing to do with hunting. There's, there's a bigger picture, but we're just the targets because Oh, guess what? We're posting pictures. We have animals. We have pictures shooting guns. We have pictures with all these guns. And it's like, they're the problem. So how mm-hmm. do we stop that? And that's that's more where they're going here, I think, rather than 
just oh hey you know it's they're a hunter it's like no they got guns we got a bigger picture let's twist this shut them up make them be quiet you know Mm -hmm. and like then they'll have no voice to stand on so well and then you have organizations like change.org that are you know filing continual petitions to have all hunting related content removed from social media um which they were successful in uh, making some changes to the Facebook platform. And one of the changes that they were able to, you know, get through was that there can't be any quote unquote trophy hunting. So everything has to be a consumable or presumably consumable animal, you know, if it's, if it's killed. Um, But how do you really know that necessarily if you're looking at somebody's hunting page whether they're eating that or not like that this is such it's almost like such a hypocritical thing because here we're talking about being accepting of everybody and you know whether you're pink purple or you have this or that or whatever whatever bathroom you use like we've got to accept everybody but like you're going to then judge by a picture if I'm going to eat this animal or not so that you can either deem it trophy hunting or acceptable right yeah and that I mean that's you're right. Like we're fighting such a battle on that. So Kylie, this it's kind of a, just a good example. Kylie this year, she shot that bear this spring here in Montana, beautiful color phase, like just a pretty bear once in a lifetime for most people. And I told her the minute she shot that thing and we had got out of the woods and we were like driving back to town to go get dinner. It was late at night. And I was like, I'm just going to warn you right now, before you ever post this thing on your social, I'm like, you are going to end up on an anti-hunting page because you're a woman with a bear and Mm -hmm. that color of a pretty bear, you're going to get attacked. She's like, I know, I understand. I said, I'm just warning you. Like, I know like you, you want to share it. And you know, it's like, it's a cool feat. We went out, you got your first bear. Hey, just be prepared. Posted it. And it was like, took a week. Boom. Anti-hunting page. And these people start lighting her up, you know, and like messaging her and I'm going to kill you and this and that and like all these death threats. And uh, it just it went off the deep end. And then this one page, you know, it's like, oh, you know, you fucking trophy hunters and all this and blah, blah, blah. You know, and it was just like she went off or they went off on her. And I'm like, I told you it was coming, but it's amazing. Like we talked about earlier in this conversation of the bears and the wolves. And I don't mm-hmm. understand what it is, but those are triggers. Man, she got just ripped for that bear after a few and uh it's sad you know and it but it's like you know the thing is that freaking bear is in our freezer and we've been Mm -hmm. eating it and it's freaking tastes really good you know what i mean and it's like but we took every single part of that thing and you know it's it's made a lot of good meals and that's that's the thing it's like people don't understand what's going on and they don't get it and here we sit you know and so how do you define trophy hunting? I mean, she got called a trophy hunter for killing that just cause it was a pretty bear. And it's yep. like, if you yep. knew her, she's the farthest, like she is like probably a bigger animal lover than most of you right. out there, you know? And I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I just, I don't know. I'm like mentally struggling with this and like, how do we fix this scenario? Like mm-hmm. I don't, you know, mm-hmm. so the most death threats, the most hate I've ever got are always over bears. Yeah. Um, to the point where, yeah, they're threatening my children. You know, I have had several people blocked because they're, you know, they're going to come hunt me down. And, and, you know, I kind of look at most of those threats as talk, you know, 
cowboys behind a, a keyboard that just want to make you feel, you know, inferior. Um, I've had a couple which um, have turned into like stalker situations where those people have physically, you know, come to find me. And those are the ones where you're like, this person is just mentally not well. Mm-hmm. Um, and those things are scary. And that's kind of one of the things that I was also thinking about with my page getting deleted and having to start over is like, that's a that's a security threat to me, you know, and, and sure Instagram could come and say, well, you don't have to start another account. Um, but now I'm back to that vulnerability of if those pe- people wanted to come back out of the woodworks, the here I am again, you know, you're, you're not blocked anymore, but yeah, there's something to be said about, um, killing bears. I was just called a murderer the other day by a couple people that ended up finding, I said something about hunting. Anyways, it got back to bears and, and yeah, you're a murderer. I'm like, what do you eat? Like, tell me what you eat and how that food comes to be. And what I'd never, I will understand is the people who attack hunters who are not like diehard vegans, like they're buying animal products from a store. Tell me how that's better. Yeah. I I've fought that with so many people, you know, it's like over the years and people making comments and it's like in watching people's pages and these other, you know, hunters get attacked for the same thing. And it's like, so you're wait, that steak that you're sitting at that restaurant eating. It's like, do you know what happened to that cow or how that even got there? Mm-hmm. You know, and who knows what that cow was fed, how many hormones or this or that along the way, you know, or whatever. And that's where I struggle with it. I wish we could sit those people down in a room and just drill them, you know, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. Hey, tell me what, what do you think happens here? And then show them. And I bet you some of them would be like, Oh man, hunting's actually, maybe this is better for our plates. Like maybe this is better overall health. Like, you know, let alone maybe a little more humane too, actually, when we look at it, you know, mm-hmm. from that standpoint. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know. I, you bring up a very good point there. You know, it's like, how, how could you convey that to the rest of the, the world? You know? And, um, I, here's the thing. Like if, if you truly don't believe in hunting and don't believe in eating animals and you are a true vegan and whatever, good for you. Mm-hmm. Like, and you know what? I don't care. Like, that's the thing. That's the funny part. I will never tear you apart. Like if that's the life choice that you made and that's what you want to do, by all means, mm-hmm. go for it. Like, I'm never going to have hard feelings against you. Heck, we could be friends. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I don't have a problem with it. But it's like, for some reason, when it goes the other way, like, we are such bad people. And I feel like we're not accepted for who we are. No. You know? And that's, that's, I think, the bigger picture of this whole thing is you and I get deleted. However many other people along this last, you know, path of the last few weeks has got deleted or banned or these hunting accounts slowly getting, you know, shadow banned where, where does this end up? You know, like at what point do we get canceled? I guess mm-hmm. if you want to put it that way, but now you're taking our voice away, you know, and that's, that's what I'm struggling with. And that's kind of why I'm going back at it is mm-hmm. just, I don't want to lose our voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And there was a part of me that kind of looked at this from like more of a, of a marketer perspective where I was like, okay, the, the list got scrubbed, you know, which it it sucks to think that, but maybe now something good can come from this, but you do always still risk that, that possibility that you just get deleted again, 
you know, so, um, from, from looking at, you know, a partnership, you know, with different companies that I work with, or from the business standpoint, I'm definitely diversifying how I'm capturing, um, and moving forward. And I, it's been so recent, you know, I haven't had time to, to put new systems in place, but yeah, I want to, I want to be able to connect with people if shit hits the fan and it all gets deleted again. I don't want to lose those contacts. I don't want to lose this community because to me, that is so valuable. Exactly. I mean, you know, and I, I don't know what the answer is. It's like if starting something else or doing something else, but it's like you, we talked about this the other day of the email and, you know, and whatnot. Um, it, it almost makes you want to start a different platform. You know, obviously mm-hmm. I can build a website pretty dang quick for myself, you know? And it's like, I'm like, maybe I want to do that. And maybe it has not that I want to be a blogger or anything, you know, but share some of my hunts and, mm-hmm. you know, photos and whatnot. And it's like, maybe you put an email form on there, you know, and it's like, Hey, if you want to follow along or get in touch with me or, or it's, have you ever seen like people create their, um, their resumes online and they'll build like a one page website for themselves, you know, when they're trying to get a job or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's yep. just a one page, simple site. It's like, maybe you do something like that. And it's like, Hey, if you ever need to get in touch with me, here you go, mm-hmm. you know, and it's got away. And then you've got this list of emails and stuff too. And emailing people, you know, I mean, 98% of people check their email. Yeah. And it's, so it's like one of those things, like at least you can stay in someone's inbox and if they need to reach out or have questions or, you know, whatever on a hunt or whatever, you know, it's like, Hey, just shoot me an email. Mm-hmm. And then it is a little more personal too. You know I mean? It's like, you're able to respond to some of those people. And so you're building that community. Um, it's going to have to come to that, you mm-hmm. know, and there's a lot of people out there. They probably don't care. They're like, ah, lose social. It is what it is. Sure. Like you know, my, yeah. my life, I'm fine. But there are people out there that they want to stay in touch. So it's kind of a, you know, hey, you know, how do we all get on this? I mean, I think it'd be a little ridiculous in a way, you know, if like every single person's like, hey, I'm going to have a website, you know, it's like, I mean, there's costs obviously associated with it, but it's like, how would you go check everybody's website every day? But I'm just throwing out, you know, it's like a big mm-hmm. picture. How do we, you know, especially business wise, you know, it's like, how do we right. stay with those people? So. So from a business perspective, if people are listening in today that are like, shoot, you know, I, I have a small company or, you know, whatever that, that has social media and we're in this hunting industry, so to speak, what, I mean, do you have any direction or advice since you are somebody that does sit behind the scenes and build these things out? Yeah. I mean, looking at that, I, I'm kind of starting to shift gears in my own head a little bit. I mean, a lot of my clients, like I already build email lists for, you know, on their websites and and whatnot. And we definitely focus on that, you know, from marketing standpoint to reach out to their customers or potential customers, you know, and, you know, Mm -hmm. whatnot. But um, it's really going to, I think, shove me that way harder, you know, with these people and be like, hey, here's what's happening. Here's what happened to me and several others. We might really want to focus on furthering those email marketing, you know, lists in these people just to keep them engaged with what's going on. Um, and I don't, forms are tough because you got to monitor them and everything else. I just, and you know, then it's like a specific form for your community and whatnot, but they can be useful. It can be good. Um, but I definitely think I'm going to like switch gears here a little bit and push people a little harder on, you know, especially some of them, you know, they don't want to do it. They're like, ah, yeah, whatever. I got social media. Well, social media might not be here. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I, if, and 
I'll be honest, how many companies or people, even some of these bigger companies and whatnot that we've, you know, all worked with, it's like, if their social got deleted tomorrow, how are they going to still sell product? You know, I know it's, I know a lot of businesses actually that rely on Instagram specifically for selling their product. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if, if that was gone tomorrow, I know a handful of people that would be hurting. Mm-hmm. Like they would be in a bad situation with mm-hmm. their overall family and financial stability. Something, you know, it's like, you better start shifting gears like right now and figure out what else we can do with this. And so the other thing that I've noticed, and I don't know if you run many paid ads on social media or not, um, but before the iOS changes happened last year, you used to be able to like run a paid ad or a video on, you know, Facebook, Instagram, whatever, and get a lot of interaction and sales off of that pretty dang easy. Now you can dump a lot of money yep. and get nothing back. Mm-hmm. And they've changed that and they've made it a lot tougher to market to people. And it's like, unless you're one of these giant companies that spends a hundred thousand dollars a month on ads or, you know, a million a month on ads, like I know some of them do. It's like, how do you, how do you get these sales back? And it's like, it is not the same platform. And so Mm -mm. it's becoming harder and harder to get sales, to build a new business. I'll be honest. If you were starting a brand new business from scratch today, getting business off of social media, the way it used to work. Like, thankfully I built my business for 12 years back in the heyday. Like, and I met a lot of people when it was good. And, but it's like, if you had to start over right now and do this, I'm not so sure that you could make it fly. Mm -mm. It would be very tough. No, I agree. And that's kind of why I cringe a little bit with losing, you know, a community of 35,000 people is that that was, you know, I would highlight the events and the camps that I did. And now, you know, I'm, I'm starting over and I'll, and I'll find some of those people again, but you know, I'm getting ready to start launching camps for next year. And now I go from 35,000 people that I can talk to, to 1500, you know? So for me as that, that is my, that's my income. Yep. That's, potentially gone. Like that's terrifying for me to think about that. Yeah. So I think like one thing here, you know, from a, a business and a marketing standpoint side is leveraging, you know, your contacts at some of these bigger companies and being like, you know, Hey, here's what happened. Here's what I'm doing with my camps. Uh, you know, let's, let's look at some way, you know, partnership or, you know, whatever mm-hmm. I can do. And you can help me leverage. Cause a lot of these big companies, if, I mean, let's just throw out a boat company, let's say like ESE or like Boyd or Matthews or like any, any of those bigger companies, Botech, whatever. If you could get on the inside, they already have giant email lists. And so it's like, but I, you're almost going to have to go back to that grassroots marketing. Yeah. Of, yep. You know, let's reach out to the, the, consumer maybe it's flyers you know in some of these you know shops archery shops um you know gyms like wherever uh you know places that people are frequenting you know and it's like hey this camp's coming like you're almost going to have to go back to some of Mm -hmm. that with a lot of this this business model or ads in magazines you know eastman's or western hunter or like whatever like you're you know it's like things are going to shift a little and if social Mm -hmm. media went away guess what how did people market before that? Well, yep. they put an ad in a magazine. You know, they emailed people. They did word of mouth. They went and actually put boots on the ground and went and met people face to face. Oh, heaven forbid you had to shake somebody's <laughs> head. But it's like, you know, that that's how things happened. And that's where I look yeah. at it now of, okay, from if you are a business owner, you better start thinking about 
let's let's backpedal here for a second. Yeah. Like, what did we do? And mm-hmm. like, let's get back there. So. Yeah, well, and I I couldn't say it any louder, but I think people that do, you know, want to run business or are currently running businesses, you need to really be thinking about not relying on just social media for if you're building a community there, social media owns those people. So if you want to be able to, you know, share education or, you know, promote a sale, you need to be, uh, you know, owning those people, whether that's through your email list or some, you know, capturing them through an SMS system. Um, that way, you know, if everything hits the fan again, you have an ability to keep the legs on your business. Yeah, 100%. Definitely. Yeah, SMS marketing now, you know, that could be a great tool. It's like we all see, you know, our phone and look at text mm-hmm. and, um, you know, heck, you know, depending on your business, I guess, let's start there, depending on what the business is, but that could be an awesome tool. Mm-hmm. So it's like, maybe we all start down that path, you know, mm-hmm. at least you can reach out to the people still. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I mean, there, there's a lot of ways and a lot of different marketing things, you know, that, you know, and avenues you could take. It's just, you better, people who are comfortable and comfortable with their business now, you better get uncomfortable and start figuring yeah. out the changes. Man, it sucks to think that it sucks to say that, but you know, I feel like every person that I've talked to in the last, you know, week on social media, I almost want to say to them, like, be so careful because, you know, everything that you think that you have right now could be gone. And, uh, you know, it sucks to think that because of who we are and because of our passions that we are just ready to be canceled at any moment. Yep. Sad deal. Yeah. So this kind of brings me to another question that I have for you. And, and I've been seeing this a little bit, uh, lately people talking about, you know, there's, there's already too much, too many hunters. And in fact, somebody had made a comment. There was a girl and she was promoting, it wasn't her camp, but they were doing some rifle clinic for hunters. And, um, some of the comments on her post were, there's already too many hunters. What are your thoughts here? Man, that's, that's a good one. Um, I think you know, as social media gained popularity and hunting and everything. And I think there definitely is a lot more hunters that are out there. Um, and maybe there's new hunters. I think the information is a lot more easy, you know, to obtain than it used to be. Um, you know, and I mean, heck a good example, it's like the elk collective, like we've got, you know, people who message in, you know, on that, even in, it's like, Hey, like you guys are giving away, you know, teaching people how to hunt elk and research and do this and that. And it's like, yeah, we are. But at the same time, like we're helping the new people that are out there and wanting to get into this sport. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a double-edged sword. You know, it's, it's one of those things. I think that the more people we have involved in the community, like let's look at, let's use that word and look at hunting as a community. Yeah. Uh, it's better for us. It's better for the sport in the, in the sense that there's more participation, um, the out, the good old outdoors, you know what I mean? And so Mm -hmm. it's like getting people outside and away from their video games and this and that. Um, I think that being in touch with nature and, you know, the outdoors is definitely a good thing. Um, has it made it harder, you know, to get tags? Has it made it harder to hunt certain places? Yeah, definitely. And even for myself, like, you know, there's places I used to hunt that I'll never go back because they're like flooded with people now. Um, and it is what it is. You know, the more people we bring into it, the worse we're making it for each and every single one of us. You got to accept that. And if you're not willing to accept that, you know, it's like, that's maybe, you know, it's like, okay, we got a problem, but Mm -hmm. 
I think the more people like they're already talking about being too many hunters and it's like, yeah, some of these people are probably, you know, a little selfish in a way of not wanting to give up their hunting spot, you know, or like have their spot they've hunted for 30 years taken away from them or overrun. I see that, you know, and, and I, I'm with you. I sympathize. Do I want my spots? No. So it's like, you know, it's like, yeah, stop. Everyone quit hunting. You know, it's like, go, go away. Like leave, leave more for us. (laughs) Um, but at the same time, everybody that we get involved is another person that is going to help, you know, be a participant in this and have a voice. So my dad, he said, I mean, since I was a kid and he's like, Hey, like, I know you love hunting. And right now, and you know, you'll probably go through, I don't think he knew the monster that he created when I got into hunting and to where it is now and how much I love it. But, um, I, you know, he always would tell me, he's like, by the, by the time you're 60, there probably won't even be any hunting left. And I look at it and I'm like, man, you know, the way things are going right now, I don't know, maybe dad was right, but you know, it's one of those things he's like always joking about it, saying that we're a dying breed, you know, and that people are and he said that since I was a kid and, you know, it's getting harder and harder. But then at the same time, I look now and I'm like, man, there is a lot of people that are getting into this thing. And, you know, heck, I've, I've had numerous people over the last few years, even that when COVID hit, they got into hunting to be able to provide groceries. Cause they were worried yeah. when we were going through all those shortages, they were like, Hey, I'm going, I'm going to learn this hunting thing because I want to be able to have a deer in my freezer mm-hmm. and have meat. And I don't want to go be reliant on the store or these farmers or this or that. And I think it did bring a lot of fear in some people of like, oh boy, we we're I better figure this out. You know, like how do what would I do like if tomorrow the grocery stores took it? Yeah, that that's great. You know, and it's like, but it did bring a big influx of people. Is it, you know, good for all of us? maybe not, you know, it's like, you know, you're, you're limiting your hunting opportunities, but you can see it in the States too, with trying to even get a tag, like Idaho, it sold out so fast this year in December, just Mm -hmm. trying to even get a tag and it's, it's making it harder. And so I'll be honest, part of the reason we moved to Montana was granted wanting to be here, but was hunting opportunities. You know, it's like, you can buy a tag over the counter and go hunt. And I feel like a lot of these States are going to get so tough to draw. None of us are going to be hunting out of state or maybe, you know, once every other year or three years or whatever, because there's so many people putting in that we're just making it worse on ourselves. So you're only going to be able to hunt your home state here pretty quick. Mm -hmm. Um, Hopefully everyone, no one moved to Montana when that happens, by the way. But Yeah. um, yeah, I just, I think it's good for us. It's good for the sport. The more people we have involved, like anything. Um, at the same time, there's definitely some cons to this situation. Do I think it's good in allowing people to be able to provide for themselves and put food on the table for their family? Yeah. Like that, if they can figure that out, even if they're not, uh, going out hunting hardcore, if they could just, they're like, all I need to shoot is a doe this year to fill the freezer. Totally. I'm, I'm all for it. Like it's put that meat in the freezer and feed your family. You know, like I don't want to see anyone suffer. Mm-hmm. And so, heck, I mean, we had leftover meat last year a little bit. And I mean, we gave it to some of Kylie's family, you know, just to like help them out. One, her uncle, he couldn't go hunt last year and whatnot. And so he just, you know, had some family stuff and it's like, Hey, you know, here's some elk and deer meat, you know, feed your family. And so it, like, 
seeing that standpoint of people who appreciate it and will eat it, it's like, you're helping people, you're putting food on the table, you know? And so I don't know, like, what are your thoughts on the whole situation? Uh, You know, I never really considered it too much. Um, There have been a couple times that I have. One was last year hunting in Utah uh, on a mule deer hunt. And I just, we couldn't get away from people. I mean, we even, there was a ton of snow and um, we had to work pretty hard to get back in where we were at. And we would still find just, I'm like, there's people, there's people, there's people. And granted, we saw a lot of game, not what we were after, but um, I was like, I don't ever want to hunt in Utah again. And I've, I've heard that about Utah. It's like combat hunting, you know? Um, So that was one scenario where I thought there's just too many people in this area. Um, but with trying to introduce women to archery and trying to help build their skills as newbies, I've never, ever considered, do I want to be doing this and promoting more people to get into the sport? Uh, when I think about that, it kind of makes me feel like I can't imagine being somebody new to hunting or archery and feeling like, gosh, people don't want me here you know, because I I guess my brain just doesn't work that way. But, um, I can see some of the point, like you said, and I think it is a little bit of a double edged sword, um, because it does make it harder. It does, you know, encroach on some of the areas, you know, your, your areas, quote unquote. Um, and I know that for me, like this year, I love to shed hunt. I would probably give up all hunting. Um, if I could just shed hunt the rest of my life, I love it so much. And this year, I mean, I've been going to some of these, these spots I would consider to be really good spots. And this year I'm picking up, you know, a single side here and there. And I'm finding people's garbage where I've never even seen another human being in there before. And so for me, yeah, it was a bit frustrating going, and actually I was going to do a podcast about, you know, shed tips for, for finding sheds this year. And I actually pulled the plug on that episode. Cause I thought, oh, I don't want to tell people, you know, how to find sheds. Cause I want to find all the sheds. Yeah. Um, but it does make it hard when you kind of start feeling like, you know, there's less opportunities for you because of so many people getting into it. But I feel like it's everybody's right. Everybody has the right to be there. It doesn't matter if you started yesterday uh, or you're going to start next season or you've been doing it as a generational thing that's been passed down in your family. Um, everybody should have the ability and the right to go and gather and, and hunt for their own food. So I don't know. I don't think it's going to be... Um, I think this is going to be a topic that continues to come up just like, you know, social media and if, if hunting, you know, should be put on social media and if those things should be out there for the anti-hunting or the non-hunting community to see, it's just always going to be a hot topic in my opinion. Yeah. I don't think, I mean, it's almost like one of those things. It's like you've lit the fire and Mm -hmm. the fire is burning and Mm -hmm. I I think it's like, you're never going to get away. You know, Mm -hmm. it's, it, it is what it is in today's world. And the more people we get on this earth, yeah. the harder it's going to be. And I, you know, it's like, you look at some of these people and, and, you know, in the government and whatnot, and like other, you know, people in the world and, you know, uh, Bill Gates and stuff, you know, he, you know, he's like, Oh, you know, we don't need meat and we can, you know, produce our own fake meat and all this stuff. And it's like, okay. When you have people like that, that are like talking about this stuff, and trying to make it like more of the norm. And it's like, yeah, can we manufacture food out there? Sure. Yeah. Like there's companies everywhere. I mean, you go to the grocery store and all that stuff's manufactured, but it's like, let's step back for a second and look at as humans, 
human beings, like where we came from and all of our ancestors and how we got to this point today, every single person would not be here had our ancestors survived and hunted and ate, you know, and fend for themselves to eat and get meat. It's like they had to. And it's like now the population is just exploding more and more because the more people are here and the more people reproduce, it's like the bigger it gets quicker. But back in the day, you wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here if any somewhere down that line, like my ancestors didn't fend for themselves, you know, and like get food. Mm-hmm. And so it's like the fact that grocery stores now have food sitting on the shelves. I think a lot of people, and I'm not trying to be mean to anybody out there, but it's like the laziness, mm-hmm. like having things, grocery stores stores just in general, like having all that disposable stuff at our fingertips Mm -hmm. has made a lot of people very lazy. And it's like, I hate to say it. There's things in our own, my life, you know, it's like that you go by and it's like made you lazy and not go, you know, just work for it, you know? And so I don't know. It's like, when you look at it from that standpoint, it's like, how do we, you're not going to be able to take that stuff away. Because no. these big corporations are making huge money on it and they're never just going to be like, oh, we're going to shut down the grocery store. You know what I mean? Like, go get your own food. Like, you're never going to do that. But it's like separating the people who want to go achieve it, I guess, you know, and like work at something and go do it and understand. And yeah, that's the benefit here. And I think, you know, it's like if you can get some people to kind of understand and realize where things are going, then, you know, cool. Like, let's, let's, go for it. You know, and mm-hmm. I'm all for as many people that want to do that and achieve that in their life. But I don't know. I don't, I don't, I would never tell someone if someone came to me and was like, Hey, I want to, I want to learn how to shoot a bow. I want to get into archery hunting. I would never tell, like you said, I would never tell someone no. Like to me, I'd be like, sweet. What do you need? Let's figure this out. Yeah. Like I'll get you going. You know what I mean? But I'm passionate about it. You yeah. know, it's like I worked in an archery shop. It's my first job. And I've dealt with a lot of people that never shot bows. And so it's kind of cool. I mean, to see someone get into it and enjoy it, you know, I mean, how many women right. out there now are getting into archery? Heck, it's so cool to see them, you know, shoot their bows and just, even if they're not a hunter, just go to these archery shoots and, you know, the people that, that you meet at these things, you know, and just yep. the camaraderie. I'm all for that. You know, it's like, I, I, I mean, it'd be like me wanting to get into golf you know i golf a little bit it's like surfing or like something totally out of the norm you know and it'd just be like that i don't do but it would be like let me go get into that teach me your ways it'd be like them telling me i couldn't do it you know and so it's like why would we take that away Mm -hmm. so we're all humans we're only here for a short amount of time when you look at the big picture and i'm all about these life experiences so it's like let's do as many as we can and enjoy it so i don't know i'm i'm not sure where we can take the hunting thing I'm not, I'm not sure how we stop this, how we combat it. Um, all we can do is just keep being ambassadors for, you know, this sport and what we believe in and help people along the way. You know, that, that's the thing. I think it all, it truly is, is a help thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, kids go to school. We still put kids through school every day to help them learn and become a product, productive member of society. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Why are you not helping them do something else? So Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. Talk to me a bit about the Elk Collective and what that is if somebody was wanting to, you know, further their skills for for being a better elk hunter. Yeah. So basically the Elk Collective, um, 
it is an online educational resource. We, you know, talk about getting into hunting. Um, you, I mean, that could literally be a tool to help somebody get into this. So we honestly start at zero. So, I mean, you, you don't even have to know anything, you know, it's like base floor, jump in and I need to learn how, how do I get an elk tag? Like, where do I even start? You know, well, here, we're going to show you and, you know, tell you how to go through different game department websites and whatnot and states that have draws and this and that and how to start hunting. Um, you know, talk about equipment, you know, what equipment do you need? Maybe you kind of know, but maybe you have no idea. Okay. Let's start here at zero and let's go all the way and teach you everything that you need to be successful and take with you in the woods. And, you know, we even have videos. It's like, what do you do after you kill that elk? Okay. Well, I need to learn how to cut it up. Cool. Here's a whole video on that and how you process it. And, you know, talking about different cuts of meat and everything and like get that thing back to the truck, but everything in between there too, you know, it's like, how do I use out calls? How do I shoot a gun? How do I shoot a bow? How do I, you know, you name it. Like we literally could take somebody that is the most newbie hunter ever. And if they went through and watched all those videos, it would take you a long time. Cause I think there's about, Oh, a hundred, 120 hours of content. So wow. I mean, if you watched one a day, one hour a day, that'd take you, you know, a hundred, 120 days. That's half the year, you know, yeah. pretty much of just watching videos. But, um, there's so much stuff on there that people can learn from and there's stuff on there for the advanced hunter, you know, that's like, Hey, maybe I know all this, but maybe I want to brush up on spot and stock tactics or whatever. Um, the one thing that we did do with the collective, it's hundred percent video based. So people don't have to read, they can go and just click the play button and, and just learn. But we brought in a bunch of people from the industry. So it's like, that was our big thing. So it wasn't just learning from me or Dirk or Jason or Dan or like just one mm -hmm. person. It was like, no, we brought in a bunch of people. So that way, maybe you relate to Lampers. Yeah. Maybe you like Dan. Like there's somebody to learn from that you're probably going to click with. But the other thing is, I think a lot of hunters are like, oh, that guy's successful or woman and they're successful. I want to, I want to be like them. I mm -hmm. need to follow everything they do. There's a ton of ways to skin the cat. Yeah. You know, it's like, there's so many, the way I hunt might not be the way that Dirk or Jason hunts. And, you know, it's like, we all get in the situation and, you know, or you, it's like, you do things your own way that you found that work. That's what that is about. It's like, Hey, learn that there's more than one way to do it. And that's, that's what we were trying to get at with the whole thing is like, go try this. If it doesn't work, try Ryan's, you know, try Jason's mm -hmm. try, you know, whoever, um, and learn, you know, and like, that's the biggest thing, learn and keep yeah. practicing and hone in your skills. It's like, no one ever gets good at anything by doing it once, you know? And it's like, you've been there, you've had the struggles, you've had the failures. I've had tons of them. We've all had tons of them. And it's like, you just learn how to adapt over time and fix those mm -hmm. and, you know, get in those scenarios to make things work. But that's kind of why we made the collective was to help you shorten the learning curve, but give you enough tools to continue your education and keep learning and, you know, become a, and it doesn't always have to apply to elk. Yes. We're a lot of it is elk driven, but it's like, you could take that and whether it's mule deer hunting or whether it's, you know, white tails mm -hmm. or whatever you're doing, there's a lot of stuff in there that is adaptable across hunting in general, I sure. guess, if you want to put it that way. So, um, yeah, 
Well, and regionally elk can be so different, you know, so where a calling strategy, you know, where Joel Turner comes in and he talks about, you know, his calling strategy that might not work in an area where somebody else is hunting elk and they might respond to calling different. So it's great to have those perspectives in there. Exactly. I mean, that's the thing we do have, you know, open country, we have, you know, brush country, we, we kind of cover a lot of that stuff. So it's like, Hey, you might not want to call in this open country because they're going to see you or you can spot and stalk them. And so it's like Brian Barney, we have a good segment on that. Like he covers that. We have stuff from Joel and he does his elk calling and his different vocalizations and what the elk are actually saying. And so it's like, there's so much knowledge and that's the thing. Yes, I've hunted a lot. And I've spent a lot of time in the woods and I've made a lot of mistakes, but I've tried to learn from them. But I, I am a student of the game. Like, mm. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I'll go back in there and watch our own content. Cause I'm like, wait, what did, what did we say about this? You know? Yeah. And I'll go watch it over. And I just, it, you got to keep doing that. You got to have stuff fresh in your mind. It's like, why do you shoot a bow every day? You know, why, why do you practice? Because you need to keep practicing to be proficient. Yeah. Same thing. That's so, awesome. So yeah. where can people find that at? Uh, the elk okay. And this month, I'm not sure when this is, this podcast will come out, but, um, we were running a giveaway this month with black Ovis that, um, is a 30 or a 30,000 is a $5,000 giveaway. Um, it ends today, but, um, people could save $20 to sign up if they use the code black Ovis. I think next month, um, in July, we're going to be doing something, uh, similar and then also with Onyx, we'll be doing something next month as well. Um, so probably the code for that will honestly be Onyx, I, I'm envisioning. So okay. if people want to go sign up, they'll get a chance to save some money and get in whatever next month's giveaway is there. And um, we're going to be doing several next month, actually. We're trying to hone in the details right now. I know tomorrow's the first, but we'll, we'll get there. So it's like we're all busy. So um, theelcollective.com, um, go sign up. and. Um, yeah, we can even put something on there for you if you, you know, people at your camps or listeners or whatnot and, you know, allow them to sign up and whatnot. So perfect. Well, I'm going to go sign up because, yeah, I definitely want to want to continue learning and, uh, you know, elk are amazing animals to be in the woods with. So I'll jump on that, the uh, the elk collective dot com. And uh, besides that, where can other people find you online as you're rebuilding? Yeah. So new Instagram is John, just J O N uh, dot Gabriel G A B R I O. Um, and then Facebook is facebook.com. Uh, it's just forward slash John Gabriel. That's what my old IG was too, but now I had to add the, add the little dot in there. So, um, I'm sure that probably didn't help with my getting flagged a little bit when I created that new account, they probably were like, Hey, <laughs> we have this one, but, uh, yeah, so that's where they can find me. And then, um, apex co. just C O is my um, design business and marketing business, if anyone wants to look that up. So, um, yeah. And you do incredible work. You've worked on several of my logos and, and other companies that I know, um, as well as, uh, G4 outdoors, you've done a lot of their stuff and their website, which is amazing. Um, so really, I can't say enough good things about your, the quality of your work. If people are looking, maybe starting a new business or want to rebrand or refresh, uh, definitely check out what he's doing. It's incredible stuff, but thank you so much for taking the time and uh, excited to watch you rebuild and all of the things that evolve from this kind of new intonation of what you're doing. So thank you so much. Likewise. And uh, I can't wait to see you grow from this as well. I think, honestly, I think it'll be better for both of us in the, in the long run. We just don't know it yet. 
Once again, thank you for tuning into the show. We hope that your cup is full and you're ready to embrace your untamable vibe. If you enjoyed the show, could you do us a favor? Help us grow our audience by sharing your favorite episode on social media, sending the episode to a friend and leaving us a review online. We love to hear from you. One more thing, be sure to press that subscribe button and never miss a weekly episode. See you next week.